you were here with us last week, then you know that we are now officially in the season of Advent here at Cross Connection Church. The four Sundays that lead up to Christmas are the four Sundays of Advent, and literally hundreds of millions, even billions of Christians around the world celebrate this season every single year. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means a coming, an approach, or an arrival. Advent and Christmas celebrate the coming and the arrival of Jesus. But not only the advent of Christ himself, during this time we are celebrating all that his coming means and all that his coming brings with it. So last week, if you tuned in with us, we remembered that Advent, the coming of Jesus, is the advent of hope. And as we continue in our Advent series here at Cross Connection Church, I want to remind you, as I have many times throughout the years, that the coming of Christ brings the blessing of peace. And when we talk about peace, we need to understand what peace means for the Christian from a biblical perspective. In the same way that I shared last week, that the coming of Jesus means the coming of hope, and hope from a biblical perspective is different than the hope we often have in this world, the same is true about peace. The peace that we are promised in the Bible is different than the peace that is often sought for in this world. Biblical hope is better than worldly hope. Biblical hope does not disappoint. Often the hope of the world disappoints because the hope of this world is like blind optimism or wishful thinking sort of hope. But hope as we find it in the Bible is sure and steadfast. It is an absolute confidence in future blessing and future good. The hope that we find in the scriptures is based more upon the what, what is called the more sure word of prophecy. And so it is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. These are all things that the scriptures say about hope. Because the hope that we have from God that is sure and trustworthy and anchor for our souls, it is rooted in the oath and the promise of an unchanging God. So biblical hope is better than the hope of this world. In the same way, biblical peace is also better than what is often found or sought for in the world. The peace of this world is mostly associated with kind of the cessation of hostilities. It's like a ceasefire, a momentary reprieve from warfare. The peace that we are introduced to in the scriptures is much greater than the peace that we find in this world. And I think it's probably best described by a theologian named Cornelius Plantiga in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. Cornelius Plantiga writes this in the opening of his book. In the Bible, shalom, or the Hebrew word that is translated peace, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Biblical peace is an end of hostility. It is the dissolution of enmity, but it is also so much more than that. As Cornelius Plantiga explains, shalom is the way things ought to be. Shalom is what every heart ultimately longs for, even if we're not able to fully express it or desire it. And the coming of Christ, it brings the blessing of this kind of peace. 
Because as the scriptures say, they make very, very clear, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We read this in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That passage in Isaiah chapter 9, those are two famous Christmas verses. These two verses, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, they are found on a lot of Christmas cards every single year. And the promised child, the promised son in that passage, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That one is called the Prince of Peace. And in verse 7, the prophet says that this Prince of Peace, he is going to bring a peace that increases forever and ever. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So what does that mean? It means that the peace that Christ brings is everlasting and increasing. I'm sure you've lived long enough, if you're watching this broadcast, to probably see a number of what we shall call ceasefires and peace accords in the Middle East. And all of those things, they end up being temporary. They don't last very long. But the peace that Christ brings is everlasting and increasing. And the peace that Christ brings is the peace that we deeply desire and we deeply need. It is the peace that we need because each of us, as a result of sin and the brokenness that is in the world because of sin, as a result of all that, we are at enmity with God and with one another. You see, sin, as you read about it in the scriptures, going all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, sin has brought division and brokenness and death. And you do not have to look very far in this world. I mean, just turn on the news or read the news online and you will see very clearly that this is a world that is filled with brokenness, division, and death. The New Testament makes this very clear that through sin, this came to the world. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, just as through one man, the, the one man is the man Adam in the Old Testament book of Genesis, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So through the disobedience of one man, Adam, sin and death and division and brokenness came into the world. But Christ is the one who brings peace by his grace. And when you read through the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, you find that grace and peace are linked constantly together in the scriptures. Nearly all of the New Testament letters of the Bible, they all open with that salutation, grace and peace. Let me give you a few examples. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in his next book, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, again Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then chapter uh, 1 of 2 Corinthians, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then his next letter, Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the same thing in Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and then Peter does the very same thing in First Peter chapter one and Second Peter chapter one. Then John, the Apostle John, does the same thing in Second John chapter one, and we even find it from the Lord in Revelation chapter one. So seventeen times from Paul, Peter. 
John, we find these words linked together. Grace to you and peace from God in Christ. So the most frequent gift or blessing that is granted to or connected with God's grace seems to be peace in the Bible. So when we celebrate Christmas, we are rejoicing in God's gracious gift of peace from Jesus Christ. In and by Christ Jesus, in and by Christ, we are blessed with peace from God, resulting in peace with God and one another. Because as Ephesians says, the Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, for he himself, Jesus is the he here, for he himself is our peace. Remember, he is the Prince of Peace. So Jesus himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Jesus Christ is our peace. And by him, we have peace with God as we trust in Christ and we trust in his finished work on the cross. Paul in Romans chapter 5, which we looked at last week when we were talking about hope, he writes these words, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The Bible makes it very clear. It is by grace and through faith that we are saved. And when we are saved, we are given peace with God. So peace by grace comes from God so that we can have peace with God. And in that gracious gift, in that salvation, we are reconciled to God and we're reconciled to one another. You know, if you go back and you read the first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you see God's creative act, but then you see the kind of destruction upon creation through sin. And when sin entered in, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that we are divided from God and divided from one another. But when Jesus comes... He reconciles and he brings us back together. So reconciliation is that restoring of relationship. So because of the peace from God, we're able to have peace with God in Jesus Christ. And we are reconciled to God and we're reconciled to one another. Look at what Paul says again in Romans chapter 6, actually Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time or at just the right time, another translation says, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. The advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, makes all of this available to us. The blessings of God's grace, his love, his redemptive forgiveness, all of these bring peace with God, resulting in reconciliation, a restored relationship. 
We who were once afar off are brought near to God and joined again to one another in Christ's body, which is the church. So it's within the church that we experience all this wonderful blessing in Christ Jesus. This is what peace from God and with God ultimately means. But it goes so much more beyond all of this to something that is essential for us if we are to experience what that theologian Cornelius Plantinga described as universal flourishing and wholeness and delight. If we are going to experience the way things ought to be, as Cornelius Plantinga describes shalom, then we need something more than peace from God and peace with God. Look at what Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. He says this about peace, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. So if you're following along with what I've been saying so far this morning, we see peace from God, grace and peace from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see peace with God. But then also Paul talks about here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace from God brings peace with God resulting in the blessing of the peace of God in our lives. Let me say that again. It's really, really important. Peace from God brings peace with God, resulting in the blessing of peace, the peace of God in our lives. This is where we begin to experience and enjoy the shalom that the Bible describes that God wants us to have. Universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. These things are not possible until we receive peace from God. And then that peace from God enables us to have peace with God. And then we can't have this universal flourishing until the peace of God begins to rule in our lives and in our hearts. And Advent and Christmas, they are the celebration of these things coming into the world. Before Christ came into the world, we were far from God. We had no hope and we were without peace. We were at enmity with God and we were divided from one another. And then Christ the Prince of Peace, the one who is our peace, the one who came and preached peace to us who were afar off, he came into this world for a very clear purpose. And then it is by his death that he abolishes the enmity, the warfare. And through his death on the cross, he makes peace, thus making peace, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. And making peace, he makes the peace of God accessible and available to us. There's a whole lot there to think about. And really, you could spend a lot of time thinking and meditating upon these truths about the peace from God and the peace with God and the peace of God. And I would say that any time that you would spend thinking and meditating upon this during this Advent season here in December, that would be time well spent. Uh, it's very important to meditate upon these things. When I talk about meditating, I'm, I'm simply talking about really thinking deeply about these things. So, it's really good to think about the peace from God, the peace with God, and the peace of God. But what I want to do as we kind of wrap up our time together this morning on this second week of Advent is I want to bring all of this back around to something very practical, some practical considerations for us. Two kind of things to really kind of circle this back to. First, it may be this morning that you have not yet received grace and peace from God. And because you haven't received grace and peace from God, you do not yet have peace with God. You're still at enmity with God, still kind of wrestling with God. So the obvious and practical question is, 
how do I receive grace and peace from God? So that's the first thing I want to think about as we start to close this time, this message this morning. But the second thing I think is really important to think about as well is that perhaps you have received God's grace and you have been a recipient of peace from God. And so you do have peace with God. You have been justified by grace through faith. But you would not say that you are experiencing the peace of God this Advent season. So how do you, as Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, how do you begin to let the peace of God rule in your heart? So those are the two things I want to think about as we kind of wrap this up. First, how do you receive grace and peace from God? Well, again, it goes back to the same passage that we looked at as an answer to this question last week when we were talking about hope. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the justifying work of Jesus Christ and our trust in his finished work that makes it possible for us to have peace from God and peace with God in Jesus Christ. When you are justified by faith, you receive saving grace and peace from God and you are brought into a peaceful peaceful harmony and relationship with God once again. So how does that transaction take place? Well, again, the answer is the same that I gave last week when we were talking about hope, again found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. Paul says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, it's very, very clear. The gospel message is given to us so clearly in this passage that if we trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work finished work on the cross, he loved us so much that he demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, when we were still far from him, at enmity with him, he died on the cross in our place. And as he dies in our place on the cross, he is our peace who has given himself to make it possible that we could have the justifying, saving grace of God and that we could be brought into a relationship with God, no longer at enmity with him, no longer wrestling with God. And then we have this peace with God. So what does the scripture say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So today, if you've not received peace from God and peace with God, how do you receive that? Well, the work for your salvation and the work for your peace is already done. That's why Jesus came into the world preaching peace. And what he calls for you to do is to call upon his name, to trust in his finished work, to trust him for forgiveness and salvation. And when you receive his grace, you receive peace from God and you're brought into peace with God. And I'm going to lead you in a few minutes in a prayer to receive that grace and that peace from God so that you can have peace with God. But just in answer to that first question, how do I have how do I receive peace from God and have peace with God? It's simply trusting in the Lord, calling upon him in prayer and receiving the free gift of salvation. But that leads to the second question, because while there may be some who are watching this today who have not received peace from God and haven't come into peace with God, that's available to you. That's what Christmas talks about. That's one of the gifts of Christmas. But there are some of you also who may be watching this right now who you have received salvation by grace through faith. You have received peace from God and peace with God, but 
you find that you are still restless and you have not found rest in God yet. And that's because you need to let the peace of God rule in your heart. So question is, how do you allow the peace of God to rule in your heart? Just as Paul talked about in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Well, I think the answer to that question is found in another passage of scripture that talks about the peace of God. Also another letter written by the Apostle Paul, a letter that comes just before the letter to the Colossians. We find the answer in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 might be a familiar passage, especially if you tune in to our broadcast regularly. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have come back to these verses over and over again over the last two years here at Cross Connection Church because a lot of people, whether they are Christians or not yet Christians, a lot of people are living anxious lives, anxious lives without peace. And God's desire is that you would experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But this is really important. You cannot experience what Cornelius Plantiga described as universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. You cannot experience life as it ought to be, or shalom, while also being filled with anxiety, fear, and stress. But the Apostle Paul tells us clearly how we can enjoy the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This peace that guards our hearts and souls in Christ Jesus. So how do we experience this? Well, what does Paul say in this passage in Philippians chapter 4? He says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God is available to you as you come to God in faith and prayer. Jesus in the New Testament book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a wonderful call that Jesus gives to us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We could even say, come to me, all you who are anxious and stressed and fearful, and I will give you rest. That is Jesus's desire, that you would come to him in trust and prayer. The peace of God is available to you as you come to God in faith and prayer. King David, in the Old Testament book of the Psalms, in Psalm 55, David wrote, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Do you want to be immovable, unmoved by all the challenging things that happen in this world because you have peace? Well, the scriptures are so clear. Cast your burden upon the Lord. It's very similar to what the apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, casting all your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. Do you realize today that God cares for you? He wants to give you peace from him. He wants you to have peace with him. And he wants you to have the peace of God so that you can rest. The Advent season, the Christmas season, is all about these truths. That it is in Christ and by Christ, his coming, that we have hope. And it is in Christ and by Christ that we receive peace from God. We have peace with God. And we can enjoy the peace of God. So all of this is yours in Christ. So notice what Paul says as he kind of wraps this thought up in Philippians chapter 4, 
where he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He then says this, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything virtuous, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God can guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace will be with you as you do these things. As you think on those things that are true and noble and just and good and lovely and of good report and of praiseworthy, as you meditate on these things and think on these things, you can experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And I am absolutely convinced as we are in this Advent period, as we are in this kind of anxiety producing time in our nation's history or in the world history, really, because of all the things that are going on in the world because of COVID, but also politics and also, you know, economic issues. A lot of people are filled with anxiety and God wants you, especially if you're a Christian, he wants you to have your heart and your mind guarded by his peace that surpasses all understanding. But that's not possible until you receive grace and peace from God so that you can have peace with God. And then once you have peace with God, then you can begin to experience the peace of God as the God of peace is with you. God wants you to experience this. This is that shalom, that universal flourishing, the way things ought to be. And in Christ's kingdom and the kingdom that he will bring on into eternity, the increase of his government and peace will have no end. And God wants you to experience that right now. So as we wrap up, you may be somebody who has not received grace or grace and peace from God. And so you don't have peace with God. I want to lead you in a prayer today that you can call upon the Lord and receive his salvation, just as Romans chapter 10 talks about. Or we'll also pray today because you may be someone who has received grace by faith and you have peace with God. But you find yourself anxious right now. And I want to encourage you to set your mind on those things which are above and to kind of separate your mind this holiday season from all the things that are causing you stress. Maybe it's turning off social media. Maybe it's turning off the corporate news media, whatever it may be, setting those things aside, fasting for them for a time so that you might renew your hope and renew your peace in Jesus Christ. So if you've never received grace and peace from God to have peace with God and with one another. God wants you to receive that saving power and that saving grace. And it's available to you as a free gift of God's grace. But you may have already received that. You're already a Christian, but you need to cast your cares upon the Lord. And I I just want to lead you in prayer to do just that right now. So if you would pray with me, Father God, I thank you so much that in you and by you, Jesus, we have a hope that does not disappoint as we considered last week. And we also have a peace that you desire that we would have as we see this week. Your word says that you will keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And Isaiah, who wrote those words in Isaiah chapter 26, he also said, trust in the Lord forever for in the Lord is everlasting strength. Lord, we thank you that we have in you everlasting strength and we have a peace that is increasing and eternal. 
And so I pray, God, for anyone who may be watching this right now. Maybe they're watching it on the Sunday that it releases, or maybe they're watching it six months or six years from now. I don't know. This message will be out on the internet for a long time by your grace. Uh, Lord, whoever may be watching this, if they've never received your peace yet, this grace and peace from you to have peace with you, I pray that you draw them by your spirit and that they would come into a relationship with you by trusting in you. As we're in this attitude of the prayer, that may be you this morning. You've never received grace from God and you are not yet at peace with God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Maybe you've been trying in your own strength to to find peace. You'll never find it apart from the Prince of Peace. Jesus died on the cross so that you could receive his grace. And if that's you, I want to lead you in just a very simple prayer of faith, confessing the Lord. Whoever confesses him and believes in him will not be put to shame. So if that's you, you can just simply pray along with me this very simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you. I can see that my sin has divided me from you. And I thank you that you came to the world to rescue me. I pray that you would save me from my sin, that you would forgive me by your grace, and you'd help me to follow you by faith. Lord, give me your peace that surpasses understanding, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time and you are receiving grace and peace from God, then you, by grace, through faith, by your trust in Jesus, you now have peace with God. And he wants you to experience the peace of God. And we'd love to interact with you if you are receiving Christ for the very first time. You can just go to the website listed down here below and contact us and we'll reach out to you to maybe lead you in some very simple Bible studies to help you begin your walk with the Lord. But I also want to talk this morning as we close with any person who maybe you've already received grace from God and you have peace with God, but you're not enjoying yet the peace of God. The scriptures are very clear. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. Cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. Come to me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You may need to do that today. Just casting your cares upon the Lord in prayer and asking for him to help you focus your mind on things that are above. That may be you. I hope that you will do that this holiday season. And I just want to pray with you and for you right now, if that's you. Father God, I do pray for any brother or sister who's watching this, Lord, that they would be able to roll their concerns and cares over to you. They cast those things to you and they would set their minds on you. And Lord, that you would bring your peace that surpasses understanding. God, I thank you so much that your coming into this world is the coming of hope, a hope that does not disappoint, a hope that is sure and steadfast like an anchor for our souls. And your, your hope and your salvation, your grace also brings peace, that we can be at peace with you, having received peace from you. But Lord, I pray for any Christian watching this, that they would begin to experience your peace, the peace of God that surpasses understanding as they set their minds upon you. Lord, help us to fix our focus and our attention upon you and not on the things of this world. It's so easy to be discouraged and disappointed by the things that we see in this world. But Lord, we have a hope that is eternal. And so I pray that we would find ourselves anchored to you by that hope and we would experience your peace, especially this holiday season. And I pray for your church that 
as we interact with people who don't yet know you this holiday season, that they would see that we are at peace, that we have rest, even in the midst of the storm, just as you, Jesus, were at peace in the midst of the storm and your disciples were shocked by it. I pray that other people who are not yet your followers would be amazed by the peace that we have in you, the rest that we have from you. And I pray that it would be abundant in our lives. God, do work in your church, we pray this Advent season, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.